the trick is like to live into the light, right? Like I said, like you're trying to make space for your soul to exist in this body and get rid of all the programming and the dense densities that like keep us from living true to who we truly are and, and living our true mission. You're constantly working through your demons. And um, what I've found is that when you pursue a life that is towards the light, you will constantly meet the devil, right? It's like right next to you is the darkness that wants to stop you from living that light and that truth. So unfortunately, like the more you go towards your truth, often the more you're going to hear those voices. So that's why I don't think it's really realistic to not to be like, I'm trying to work on getting rid of the voice. No, because it's like, if I don't hear that voice, then I'm like not onto anything. Welcome back to the North Star Podcast. I'm so excited to share with you guys today, Nikki Novo. She's a Cuban-American best-selling author, a master intuitive reader with a wait list of over a thousand people. And she's the founder of Soul Reading Method, a certification program where she's taught over 1,300 students how to activate their own intuitive abilities. I have to say, just from my own personal experience, she is also just the most interesting woman. I said it twice, I think, in the recording, once after we finished recording, <laughs> um, truly because she has, as, she, as we talked about in this episode, she has so much so much wisdom. And as she described it, it comes from her being very anchored in this soul space. And it was just, it was so interesting, like so many things that I've had questions about for so long, she was able to answer just like that. And it was incredibly fascinating you'll notice she's a really great storyteller as well as educator like she speaks about topics and she's so captivating so I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode to really learn how to activate your intuition how to ultimately create a very soulful life for yourself one where you're feeling light you're feeling aligned and you're excited you're essentially your truest version of self I have to say, I'm so sorry if you guys can hear sound right now. They just started doing construction or something upstairs, of course. Um, I hope you can hear it. But anyway, it is such a gift to have Mickey on this episode. She's really, really such an inspiration to me and to so many people. I hope you enjoy learning all about the four players. I also found that a very interesting conversation because for so long I've been able to both have this knowing as well as like hearing specific phrases of almost like wisdom, like do this or do that. And so we talked about that and it was so, so fascinating and just so much more. But anyway, I'm going to let you guys jump on into the episode because you're going to love it and I want you to just dive right in. So enjoy. I have a lot of um, cancer energy in me. So I think... <laughs> That I think sense. that that mama energy just like is just in there. So sweet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love cancers, especially the woman cancers. I, I men have been another story in my personal life. Yeah, they're a totally different breed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I you know, I always start out this show because I find it really interesting. And I would love to hear about what you were like when you were a kid and how that's informed, you know, the Nikki that's here today. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I was definitely uh, a performer in many ways because I was the middle child. Um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. Uh, and I was like the girl in the middle. And I was always interested in 
technology, which is really funny. Like the minute my dad would take out like a camera or like, I remember being five and um, he was, he's a doctor. So he had a computer and I was like, oh my gosh, I was like so fascinated by these things, which is funny, like based off what I do now. Um, and when there was a camera out, like I wanted to be in front of that camera. <laughs> so I guess that's the Leo in me. Um, so there was that and just, you know, a complete sensitivity and um, just that the world kind of like hurt many times, like um, within me. And there was just, it's funny, as I got older, I realized there was, I have so many like uh, memories of as a kid that I probably should not have understood, but I guess the intuition was always there and I was intuitively understanding like what was happening mm -hmm. in family. So I do, I love somatic healing. So I always like, I have different somatic healers I go to. And it's funny to find like the memories and the emotions that are still in my body that, um, that I'm like, gosh, I was four years old when that happened. And I can't believe I understood what was going on. So I guess that intuitive side was always there. I, de I was not necessarily intuitive in the sense where I was like seeing spirits or hmm. predictions. Um, I was more intuitive, like kind of, kind of from a sensitive place. Right. Um, so that, that I think was a little surprise. There's, I, I work with so many people who are intuitive that remember like seeing spirits or making predictions. Wow. And I think it's so cool, but I didn't have, that wasn't my experience. I was just more like a creative kind of free flowing child. And um, yeah, my parents did a good job of letting me be that way. Yeah. Curious when you say you were seeing things, you know, maybe that a child wouldn't often, I don't even want to say normally, but like often wouldn't see was that, um, I was actually talking to this beautiful healer yesterday and she was telling me similarly, like she felt like she was seeing, um, experiencing things that other kids didn't or wouldn't typically. And I guess I'm wondering, does that, did that manifest more in the sense of like, these are the difficulties, either the emotional difficulties, or were you also sort of seeing like people's like gradients of happiness as well? Or was it mostly like you were privy to the harder adult things? That yeah, I think it was a little bit of my parents, um, like most parents, like keeping me safe from certain conversations or things that were happening within the family structure. So of course they weren't like telling me what was happening, but I like knew what was happening. I have a very strong memory of, I was about four years, I was probably three or four. And I was in my kitchen, my family's house. And I was born in New Jersey and it was the, the, my mom, her sister and my grandmother. So like kind of the female lineage. And, um, I'm just this little, you know, the next generation and my aunt is crying and like, I could just, I, I couldn't even understand what they were saying. I think I, I learned Spanish first. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents are Cuban. So I think they might've even been like trying to talk English to keep it from me. I, I didn't like know what they were saying, but I could, I could tell you the full story. Like I had a full yeah. sense of what was happening. And I wonder if that is, my, my aunt was having marital issues um, and she was, you know, a 30 something year old woman falling apart because of these like marital issues that she was having. Um, and I, I wonder if my intuition got stronger with time because there was such a separation between the adults and the kids 
where like not too much sometimes there's, you know, some of these families that we grew up in, like, there's not too much explained to the kids right. out of protection, but also I think sometimes the adults not having enough like emotional awareness sometimes right. make sensitive kids turn on that sensitivity even more. So I think I kind of grew in that intuition and in that sensitivity because I felt like I wasn't getting enough explain I could sense and understand people's emotions right and I don't even because I, I wouldn't even say that I felt them because a lot of uh, a lot of people that I train are big feelers when they think about their intuition I understood them which is very much like what I still do today like there was something happening when a person would talk or move and my little brain was translating like exactly what was happening so um and I, you know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of it is natural, but I guess it's also probably like just the way that I was moving through the world, like mm -hmm. how I got through the world. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. It really resonates with me actually when I'm thinking, I'm even thinking, um, it's funny when you said that this instance came to my mind of much more recently, like within the past five years, meeting a friend of my sister's and he was telling me a story, a backstory about himself and um, and it was also this sort of intellectual thing that came through me. It wasn't a felt thing either. And I was just like, oh, like, did you get divorced? I didn't even, I wasn't even conscious almost of saying the words, but my sister and him just looked at me and they're like, whoa, like, how did you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so it's like, you know, it's a, it's a clear cognizant, okay. uh, proper term, but it's what I like to call it like knowers, because I, I usually categorize my students as like knowers, feelers, seers, um, knowers, feelers, which one am I missing? Oh, hearers, people that hear these hmm. like, and I think it's just, it's really the energy that's like in the room and we're picking it up and the way that through this psychic sense of knowing, and it kind of just drops in your mind and you just know, mm -hmm. and you know why you know so it's kind of a funny psychic sense to have knowers are usually feel bad because they usually feel like kind of judgmental or they don't right. like know why they know things um and um I think it's easy for people to like make them feel bad about their gifts but that's what it is it's just kind of the energy that's swirling around the room it's almost like tele you know it's kind of it could be seen as telepathic also that we are just dropping it in through our crown chakra and have the awareness within us. Oh my gosh. It's so you're, I'm like just sitting here and like, this is, you're the most interesting woman ever because this is, it's so, it's so fascinating to hear you explain it. Cause I'm sure a lot of people listening have various um, experiences with either you said the knowing, the hearing and the feeling. And I'm also curious, and I want to go back at some, um, in a moment actually to where this all kind of started with you, but in your experience and or clients experience or friends experiences, have you noticed people who will experience multiple, um, you know, knowing, feeling, et cetera? Definitely. Um, they ultimately like all come online. And when we start to receive psychic information or, you know, intuitive information and really just to make it less magical, psychic information is just everything is energy around us. There's just certain things that are physical because the energy is denser. So we are physical. The desk behind me is physical because the energy is very dense, but there's a lot of energy around us that is not as dense. So the, the human eye, it has not been trained to see it, um, but it still exists. So why can somebody 
feel their grandmother who passed away, who's not in a physical body. And it's just because her energy is lighter. And so that what that means is like the particles are not moving quickly. Um, or is it? Yeah. So it's just not, not dense. So you can't like see it, but you can still feel and wow. connect with a grandmother who's passed. Like everybody I think has felt that before, like some sort of you know, supernatural thing, but it's not so supernatural. It's just, there's energy everywhere. And then some of us who are more sensitive learn to pick up on that energy. We're always picking up on that energy. It's just that at some point, if you notice it happening to you a lot, you might want to start to figure out how to do it more like on demand where it's a little bit more controlled. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what happened to me. And, um, you, you have these different psychic senses to be able to read energy. So some people are reading energy by feeling it. Some people are reading energy by knowing it. Like it just kind of telepathically comes in hearing it, like yeah. hearing the actual vibration or uh, seeing it. So they have like these visual kind of, it's not a, it's not a dense visual. It's more just like kind of almost like a dream that they have these like visuals. Oh, so wow. everybody has these different, I would say more natural gifts. And actually we've done a bunch of polling and stuff. And it turns out that the majority of people are feelers. Um, that's kind of like the, the strongest sense. And then we have people that have these other ones. So you can definitely like work with like the main one that you have, the one that feels like the most natural, but you can also, if you're like, you know, I would love to be a seer, you can also work on that skill eventually. So at first you usually kind of work on the senses, like you compartmentalize them almost, but at some point, so like now when I do readings, people always ask me, well, like, how are you receiving the information? And what has happened is that I'm in a state of presence. So I can't even tell you like which one is happening first. It's all kind of happening at the same time because wow. being able to read energy is really comes from a state of presence. Everybody has had a moment where they've like received a message or, you know, have like heard their grandmother say something that has passed or whatever. And that's because something in that moment, like you were just present. There's some, somehow like everything aligned and you became like very present in the moment and you were able to receive information that was beyond what you're used to receiving, which is like what your eyes can see, what you can touch, what you can um, feel. You, you went beyond that. So like when we're practicing to be more intuitive, like we're looking for that presence and, um, that, and really that's how, that's how it's coming in. It's the presence comes from focus. So like, and if you think about when we think about like, Oh, be more present, right? Like that's like a advice that we give each other to be more present. What that means is I'm trying to focus my mind on this present moment rather than my mind is you know, thinking about yesterday or thinking about my ex-boyfriend or thinking about the bill I have to pay. That's a, that's when we get out of focus and we're not present. So actually like intuition. And one of the things I teach all the time um, to my students is like, we're trying to get focused on like the energy that we actually want to read. So um, we hold focus. Let's say we're like, okay, I really want to read the energy of my boyfriend's heart. So like we close our eyes, we hold focus on the energy of the heart and we stay there and you stay present and then you, you will get information because mm -hmm. like you've blocked everything out and you just are focusing on this energy. And that's where, that's where the information comes from. Wow. That's, it's, it's really interesting to hear that as well, because I, 
And I know a few listeners as well, for sure, practice Reiki. And I'm, I'm thinking with the hands, it is, of course, your focus, you're present in everything. And I'm thinking that is the moment where you can like, you kind of know where to go. Not that you don't need to know where to go necessarily in the body, but you are sort of guided to specific areas often. And you can kind of feel a tension almost within the energy field. And it's very interesting that you say that because it all like sort of like lines up as well with the... Yeah. And Reiki practitioners are like, I have so many Reiki practitioners in my program because they're like, what is happening? Like, why is it that I'm like touching this person's body and I'm starting to have these calls or some Reiki practitioners like will go into the, you know, they're going into people's energy field and then they're like seeing a past life or they're seeing an ancestor and they're like, what is happening? Um, And it's because like, yeah, you're, you know, you're in their energy and, and you're in a state of focus because you're trying to bring energy through your body and through your hands to like support the person you're working with. So you're in a state of focus, so you can't help, but like also feel into um, these other things that are happening on people's energy. One thing I find super fascinating still to this day. um, So part of, I do, so I perform um, what we, what I call soul readings. It's a type of reading that, that I um, created. And one of the steps in performing a soul reading is like learning is reading people's energy. And, um, I remember I was actually taught to read energy in meditation. So I like got really interested in spirit guides and all this kind of stuff. I was a fashion and beauty editor for many years, but I started going down this like rabbit hole of like the metaphysics and I would study and read and all this. So I would sit in meditation. I had met my spirit guide actually through a certification that I had done. I was um, studying um, this type of energy healing called theta healing. And this Hmm. spirit guide shows up and I'm like, oh, cool. Like I have the spirit guide. So I would practice and sit in meditation. And with time, this, this guide started to teach me like in my meditations, how to read energy, like how to read specifically the seven chakras on people's bodies. So that's really how my readings started. Like all I could do in the beginning when performing a reading was all I could do is like read people's energy that was on their body. And it was just so fascinating how we carry everything on our energy. Like, I think it's going to be really interesting when society gets to a place where we have all opened our centers and we've kind of all opened our psychic abilities and we accept them more because I don't know if anybody's like really going to be able to lie at some point because there's like, so no, yeah, there's so much that hangs out on our energy. That's why like a Reiki um, practitioner that maybe is putting their hands on somebody and they like know that they're sad or they're going through a breakup or, you know, that they're really angry about to their husband. Like they know that because all of that is held on our energy and all of us could read what's on our energy for, for better or for worse. So it's fascinating, like how there's so much information on our energy. It really is. And you, you definitely, I mean, that it's fascinating. And what I wanted to ask you in terms of your own journey and your learnings with this, I do believe you just answered, but I would love to hear you elaborate. So you said that um, essentially via this um, spirit guide, that was where the information came to you. Strange I, experience. <laughs> I, I would love to hear what that was like for you. And also like, were you expecting that? Like, how did it go? Because also funny thing, and I don't know if you encounter this a lot. I feel so many people, especially guests on this show for whatever reason, have had a background in the fashion industry like yourself. 
and then have switched over like I think five people I've spoken to in the last week or something like same it's so it's it's really interesting so for yeah. you from reading souls actually like that's like a lot of um light workers that are coming so these souls that are a little bit more they're truly their souls from like actually other dimensions and planets they're not like regular earth souls yeah. um they come with a knowing of um media technology it's like just kind of something they're a little bit like more advanced so often you will find people like in our space that have a good under that have a background in media or have a background in like kind of the mass um like masses like things like fashion and all that because okay. that's a kind of like everybody is everybody has something to do with fashion in a sense so it's kind of a mass uh art basically wow. um and that is like by design a lot of these souls start off that way and like move into um these positions. So it's kind of common, actually, it's really funny. But um, to answer your question, yeah, so I was, I, you know, I was born to two Cuban parents. So very Cuban Catholic, very traditional, my parents were Cuban exiles and moved to the States. Um, you know, they were fleeing communism from Cuba. And but I was born in the States grew up in Miami. And I went to Catholic school my whole life. So I was very much, I always loved, um, Jesus. And I like had, a, I was very grateful to be raised in the, in like Catholic school my whole life. Cause I had religion class every day and I actually like really enjoyed it. Um, but it felt very serious to me for some reason. Like I remember being a kid, um, there's this one that I was in, um, I must've been, I think I was in third grade and uh, I had just moved from New Jersey to Miami and my parents put us in like full-time Catholic school for the first time. So I had a religion class and we had this Cuban, like older teacher teaching us religion. She was really funny and very traditional. And she starts explaining to us how people are called into service. So she was like, kind of, she was telling us the stories of like how men become priests and how women become nuns. And I remember like, being this young kid and like looking around and nobody else gave a shit. Like for, for some reason, like me, like little Nikki was like super concerned with this story. Like I was like, this seems like an important story that I like need to know. She starts telling the story and she's like, you know, and you're sleeping and then this big angel is going to come into your room and it's going to tell you that you're meant to be a priest or you're meant to be a nun and that you're meant to like work for Jesus. And I look around and I'm like, holy shit, like this is going to happen to me. Like I just knew like as a kid, I was like, they're going to fucking call me. I'm going to be pissed because like, I want to have kids. I'd like to make money. Like, this is like, I was so young and I had this like awareness of this. And I remember just being like, why is nobody else freaking out? Like, why am I the only person in this classroom? Is everybody asleep? And apparently I went home that week and my mom said that like, I wouldn't sleep for like a whole week because I was convinced that this like angel, which by the way, sounds like a monster was going to like show up in my room. And, um, this is just kind of my first awareness, I guess. So I think as a soul, I kind of always knew that I was like going to be called into service, which is what I feel I do today. Like, you know, my boss truly is the divine and I'm, you know, and I'm here to help people remember their souls. And that's why I do these readings that, um, that help people and intuition to me is the voice of the soul. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's why I teach intuition because it helps people remember who their soul is, what they came here for, all that kind of stuff. So I, I knew this, I guess, somehow at a very young age, um, got super scared about it, but, you know, forgot about that memory and just kept on with my life. I have a Leo 
moon. So I've always been very interested in like entertainment. I like, you know, as a kid thought I wanted to like act or be on TV and stuff. I used to send like um, recordings to MTV because MTV would have like these like open, like, like for a open- DJ position or something. Yeah, and I was like, I'm going to be a DJ. It was like that kind of shit. Like yeah. I would do things like that. So um, I guess I was, which is perfect for the work that I do now because I have to like be able to talk and present and stuff. But I guess I always like knew that within me, but I was interested, my first like awareness was like, I was just interested in entertainment, television, um, anything to do with media. Mm -hmm. So I studied uh, public relations and I worked in the film industry for a while in LA and, um, and I just kind of you know, I, I always knew I was kind of an artist. So I was going down that route, even though my whole family, they're all doctors. And I was, as a, as a child of immigrants, I was taught to like do something stable, which was like doctor, attorney, lawyer, attorney, like engineer were like the options. And I was like, I'm going to go work in movies. So that's really like what I started off with, but I really early on had this feeling of, you know, who am I helping? Like, this is really fun and stuff, but what, so I'm just helping these celebrities like get more popular. I'm just helping these like film industries, like make more money because that's really, you know, I was a publicist in those mm. spaces and that's really what I was doing. Um, I got interested in writing at that time be- and I decided like, I'm going to leave the film industry and I'm going to start writing. Um, so I got my first writing gigs still in the same like arena, like fashion and beauty. I was a young 20 something. That's kind of like what they were willing to let me write about. Um, and I, I learned the skill of writing, which I think is so important. I think all artists are channelers at the end of the day. So that's why we also see a lot of intuitives come from artistic or have some sort of artistic um, like spin to them. Because even when you think about movies, like I don't know if you've ever watched a movie and been like, what were these people channeling like to get this information. So I think like when you're writing, if you're making film, I work with a lot of screenwriters that they want to work on their intuition because they're trying to download ideas and get um, information. So I think it's like, just so I think part of me learning to write was like me, like learning to to channel in many ways, because I still to this day, when I do readings, I, um, I write down everything I receive or not everything, but that's kind of how it starts working for me. And so I, I need the pen and paper still to be able to like write down what I'm receiving. Um, so yeah, I did that for a while, like loved it, but I got to that place again that I was like, oh, you know, I'm just selling a bunch of handbags or I was writing about like places you can buy bikinis in Miami, um, or like the best places to party in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I think, you know, I was having that feeling of like, what's my purpose. And, um, that led me into a spiritual awakening. I met a psych, my, I went to my first ever psychic. My parents told me never to go to a psychic, but I had just been dumped by this guy that I thought I was going to marry. So I was like, I need a psychic. Gotcha. Somebody There's always a catalyst. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was a catalyst. I'm like, so that's why I thank him very much for that. But I was like, I need somebody who speaks directly to God. So I was looking for a psychic and um, she changed my life. Like I was like fascinated um, by what she was doing. And I had this weird question at the end of the reading. And I asked her, do you think I can do what you do? Which is kind of a weird question to ask. And because right. you know, I think typically we think that psychics are born that way, that they're supernatural, um, that they have some sort of spiritual gift that is different than everybody else. Um, but I, I don't know. I just thought that maybe I could do what she did. And she told me yes. And she introduced me to like all these 
metaphysical books. I learned about angels. Um, and I just did what the books told me to do. I would just try to like follow their instructions. And I just think the minute you go down any of those rabbit holes, you start to open your centers. Basically what, what I feel is happening is being human is very, we're very dense. Um, and like before our awakenings, we're just like very dense and we're here in the 3d world. But as you start to kind of pierce the veil, as I call it, like, you know, you start to see that there's something more, you end up becoming like more and more light and you make, and you know, you work on your own healing, right? So like you're working through your own trauma, the things that you've been through, through life, your body starts to make more space for the soul. And like the soul starts to fit in and you just become more of your authentic self, like through that process. So like the soul was just like, my body was making more space for my soul to sit in. And like, I was becoming like more and more, I was releasing a lot of programming, becoming more and more of who I truly was. So the psychic gifts looked like they were coming more online, but it was really that I was releasing like the density that wasn't really who I was at a soul level. And I started to relate to my soul more. And that, you know, intuition is a soul's gift. It's a, it's a spiritual gift. It's kind of like saying, you know, humans language is like a human gift. Like that's not, we don't communicate this way in the spirit world. Um, that's why sometimes like I have parents that will come to me and they'll be like, oh, my child is like delayed in speech. He's not talking I'm like, yeah, cause he's an ET and he has no idea what this like language is. Give him some time. He'll pick it up. But like this whole human thing that we do, which is talk is weird. Um, that's similar to like underst being able to read energy is very natural to us when we're in, when we're just functioning as a soul, when we're just in our spirit energy. But in, as humans, we have to kind of go into this physical body, which is very dense. And we, we forget that like language that is natural to us. But the more we wake up and the more like light we become, the more that gift feels like closer and closer to us there's a process of like remembering it plus, um, you know, like I said, like doing your own healing, releasing things that make us dense so that the, so that the soul can take up more space in the body. So as I started to do that, um, and I did a lot of technical things too, like I took certifications, Reiki, hypnotherapy. I was just interested in all that, even though I was like fashion and beauty editor by day and like yeah. little witch at night, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I was just practicing and I just guess my curiosity led me to a place where I was like open enough to receive these downloads. And, and I think, I think a lot of it is a remembering. I think there's definitely, obviously like my soul has been doing this for many lifetimes. Like I have come with this thing that I do, the soul readings, like I've done this before. Mm -hmm. I was just being given the the reminder of how to do it a mm -hmm. uh, little as I was ready. And then I started to practice on people and this, you know, as I got into more of the spiritual work and I was writing about it a lot, I was just like, I can't do anything else. So I had to leave my fashion and beauty right. job. And I, I actually um, married my husband. I tried to be like the cute fashion and beauty editor as I was dating him and married him. And on the honeymoon, I was like, you know, I'm not really into this fashion and beauty stuff. I actually like really like this like weirdo witchy stuff. And I think I'm going to do it for a living. And I think I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to. And now we're married. So it's too late for you. <laughs> so figure it out. And he was like, what? I was like, don't worry, I'll help you with your business. But like, you know, I'm going to pursue this thing. So, you know, this was in 2012 and um, I didn't even know that, 
you could, like, I wasn't sure if you could make money doing this. Um, I did have a feeling that I knew there, there was a ton of psychics in the world, but they were all like scary charging, you know, $50. Um, and I really was like, what if I can professionalize this? Like I really believed in readings. I really believe that like everybody should have a reading mm -hmm. and, um, that passion for readings. And I just kind of was the salesperson for reading. I was horrible at it when I first started. Um, but people were nice enough to like, let me practice them on them. And I got better and I kept trying and ultimately became a really good reader of energy. And it's just because my focus is very strong right now. Um, so you know, if you're working on your own intuition, it is in like the focus and then like, you know, the rituals of practicing and stuff like that, but it's natural to all of us. Yeah. And, and in terms of that focus that you have, is that something that you, I mean, it sounds like it is something that you probably do work with people on like developing their own focus. What if, <clears throat> what have you done? Is it just regular, as you were saying, like readings, practice readings over the years. And now of course you've been doing it for some time or were there other things like other practices you were doing to help you with that focus? Yeah. So you, you actually like, I mean, meditation is always a great place to start. Like just basic meditation, um, focusing on your breath is helpful just to kind of learn what it means to focus. Cause, um, you know, we live our lives being distracted by all these different thoughts and all that stuff. So just regular mindfulness meditation is, is great to get you started. And then the second step is that you start to be intentional about what you're focusing on. And for intuition, we're focusing on different types of energy. So I could focus on, that's why I love the chakras and that's kind of where I started. So let's say I want to know what my dog is trying to tell me, right? So my dog is barking, whatever. I have no idea what she's trying to tell, but I have a feeling she's talking to me because sometimes I, you know, sense that she's talking. Why is it that I know when she's telling me she's hungry or that she's, you know, I could be in my bedroom and I can see just by the way she moves, I'm like, oh, she's thirsty, right? Mm -hmm. So why? How is that happening? Like right. a lot of dog owners do that, right? And mm -hmm. that's because like you're picking up on the energy that the dog is sending you. So you can, so I'll be like, okay, I want to intentionally hold my focus on, her name is Molly, Molly's throat chakra. Because the throat is like expression, like if she could talk, that's what she would be doing. And I- like, so then you do like these little exercises that you're just holding focus. You have an intention and maybe my intention is, um, I want to know, um, I don't know why she seems anxious lately. So I'm going to hold my attention, which means I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to picture like a little circle in her throat and I'm going to imagine that circle and I'm going to stay there. And if that circle could talk to me, if it had something to say, like what what would it be saying? And I like to have a pen and paper because the heart, the part where we like get messed up the most with intuition is we get the information and then we use our mind and start to judge it and be like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Like, of course my dog doesn't talk to me or like I'm making this up or I'm saying this because I saw this before. So the message is trying to come into us, but like it stops at our mind because our, and then our mind is trying to like refine it. Um, so I like to kind of bypass that as much as I can. And I do that with the pen and paper. So I'm thinking more like holding my focus on the little circle of my dog's throat. And if this thing could talk, what would me say, what would it say? I'm not really trying to figure it out in my head. I want to drop it straight into the paper. So I'm going to go from like reading it to the pen and the paper. And then when I'm done, like out of my, my place of focus, I'll look at my pen and paper and kind of understand what I was trying to say. 
because I don't want to like judge what I'm saying. Um, because where I am now, I, I don't have, um, much of a critic in my mind anymore. Cause I'm used to like being a clear vessel and just like letting information drop into me. But in the beginning, we're super critical of ourselves. Like we don't, we're doubting ourselves. We don't know if we're making it up. Different people have different experiences. Like I had this one boyfriend that would constantly tell me that I thought I knew everything. And uh, thankfully, like mama didn't raise any pansies. So my mom, like mm -hmm. <laughs> I was raised by a very strong Cuban mother that like was like, you know, do you and like believe you. Right. And I never let that boyfriend get to me, but I could imagine if I stayed with him for like three years and he constantly told me that what I was saying was just like my assumption. The truth is that he just knew that I was picking up on him. Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, instead of like being like, yeah, no, you're right. He was trying to make me feel bad about like a natural gift that I had. I just mm -hmm. wasn't super confident in it. And if I would have been damaged by that, it actually would have been hard for me to be, let's say in one of my classes right now. And cause I would doubt myself cause I'd probably hear his voice, you know, mm -hmm. a lot. Um, mm -hmm. still to this day, my mom was a beautiful mom, but she was also very, um, criticized. Like she was very critical. Mm -hmm. So there's still days that like to this day, I'm in my reading and I could hear my mom's voice like saying, oh my gosh, you're so crazy. You're making that up. You have to get past that voice. And that's where like the good messages come from. So at first it might be hard because we're used to hearing that voice and listening to it. So that's why I like the pen and the paper, but with time, you'll be able to like be in that state of focus, getting some, getting like messages and knowing when that voice comes in and be like, ah, oh, there's that voice again, but not having to listen to it. And almost that voice, it's not the, the trick is not to like get rid of the voice. Cause I don't know. I think they're, you know, it's the ego it has, it's trying to protect us, but the trick is like to know when to know not to listen to it basically. So, um, if that voice is very strong and that voice is your current guidance system, it is hard to hear your intuition. So we have to work on pushing that out or just putting it to the side basically and letting those messages flow. And that's why like you can do the exercise of just trying to go straight to the pen and paper, not judging it. I would say you can judge it after it's on the pen and paper. You can make all the judgments you want, but try to not judge it while it's coming through and see what you get. Wow. That is so helpful because I'm thinking of, <clears throat> I'm thinking of the listeners. I'm actually thinking of some clients of mine, but also listeners who are wanting to build something, you know, whether it's a business or whether it's a piece of art. And as you just said, in the beginning, that's when all the voices of judgment come. And so this is so helpful actually for someone who's in that planning stage, or maybe they're even in the I want to go to the next level of whatever it is that they want to go to that. This is like such a great tool for people to use, to just let the mind sort of sit on the side, like put it on a shelf, whatever metaphor you want to use. And then just like drop right into the pen and paper, even just for yeah. that. It's, it's a slightly different context, but I think that it applies as well to that. Yeah. And, and um, I, once I, I would say about those clients or those people that are going through that, this is something yeah. I've um, very interesting because you know, um, I've been doing this work now, gosh, for 12 years. And, um, the trick is like to live into the light, right? Like I said, like you're trying to make space for your soul to exist in this body and get rid of all the programming and the dense densities that like keep us from living true to who we truly are and, and living our true mission. So it's a constant process, right? Like um, you're constantly working through your demons and, um, 
what I have found is that when you pursue a life that is towards the light, you will constantly meet the devil, right? It's like right next to you is the darkness that wants to stop you from living that light and that truth. So unfortunately, like the more you go towards your truth, often the more you're going to hear those voices. So that's why I don't think it's really realistic to not to be like, I'm trying to work on getting rid of the voice. No, because it's like, if I don't hear that voice, then I'm like not onto anything. When I hear that voice, I'm like, oh, I'm onto something. Like I'm about to break through. I'm about to like up level, go to the next thing because these voices are freaking out, right? Like they're attacking me because I, they have an agenda against me. Like they don't want me to live into my light. They don't want me to live into my true purpose because they have another agenda. So when I, he, so like to, Walk this path and assume that you're not going to get attacked is unrealistic. And I think that if you can know that they're going to come for you and that if you can change in your mind that it's actually a good thing when they come for you because you know you're on to something, you can learn to work through them. And I love to like meet fear and doubt with a lot of humor. I'm just like naturally kind of like I have a sense of humor. I like to make jokes and like laugh. And it kind of, it diminishes because fear and doubt is like the scary monster that's in your closet. And it's the big shadow, right? It's like you're a little kid and you see this big shadow in your wall and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. But when mom turns on the light, it's literally like a little toy figure that is, you know, that the light is hitting and <laughs> it's creating this huge shadow. And you're like, why am I afraid of that little like toy figure that is mine anyways, and it can't do anything. So that's what we want to do with fear and doubt. We actually want to confront it and make jokes with it and be like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm about to do this really scary thing of painting this painting and like, Ooh, like nobody's going to like me or like, everybody's going to hate it. Okay. Like, let's see, like if I lose everybody, that's let's just see what happens. So the more you kind of bring that lightness to it and you play with it and you joke with it, the more it becomes, it becomes less of that shadow and more of that little like figure that is literally half an inch tall. Right. Yeah. Um, because it's not as scary as we think it is. It's just that we make it scary by not going towards it and into it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That again, just came to mind, like this specific time that I was sitting with the client and I'm, and I'm thinking, wow, that, that was a moment of going into the light. Cause that, you're right. Like you, typically when we're going through things, especially if we're not talking to anybody about it, we push it away because we push it away from ourselves. And in that moment, when we were talking about it more, I was letting her almost word vomit out what was coming. She she just kept talking and talking. And then at some point she started laughing. And I think it spoke exactly to what you were just saying. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, wow, like bringing a little touch of humor to this is so powerful and such a simple thing. And now as you're saying that, I'm like, that's because it was, as you said, like living into the light, like it was that exactly. And it was so, I love things like that because they're so simple. Like they're not, it's not like some complicated thing that like is not accessible to people that's like really powerful actually yeah so that you can really hear more you know because I get the question all the time what's the difference between my fear and my intuition right because uh -huh. you know you're 
Um, and, you know, cause we're all trying to be able to listen to our intuition more. Um, but without knowing the difference between the two, it's really hard because fear is also like this cool virus that's always changing. You know, it's like you, you get the medicine that's like going to kill the virus, but it's already mutated to the next virus. And it's so mm -hmm. tricky. Like sometimes it pretends it's your friend and it's trying to keep you safe. And sometimes it's nice. It's like the time when, you know, you told yourself you were going to stick out, stick to a workout routine and fear shows up and he's like, no, you've worked so hard. Like, you know, you really need some extra sleep today. Like fear just like flipped on you and told like, is now acting like this really nice friend and mom. So it's hard to know, you know, cause it has so many different faces and it has so many different voices and it's hard to know um, to know the difference. So I, I can, like, I understand the, the struggle. It's not always scary. So kind of, but you know, the more, I feel like the more you get to know that part of you and the more you'll get to know your truth or the more you get to know the feeling of your truth. So to me, like your intuition has a certain vibration. Um, I can feel it. Like it feels like elevated and it feels like it, where fear to me feels like very fast and short, uh, lots of words. Intuition is a little bit more chill and like doesn't need a lot of words to express what it's trying to say. Like it doesn't have to convince itself. It's uh, convince you. It's not trying to prove itself to you. Um, it's not a salesperson, right? Where fear and doubt, there's uh, a shorter vibration. It's usually faster. It usually uses a lot more words. And that's how you can start to kind of tell the difference between the two and really get a feel for what your truth feels like. So that when you're in those moments of, oh gosh, like maybe I shouldn't do this painting, like, you know, because, you know, it doesn't, maybe it's going to hurt something and I shouldn't be doing it. Like you need to be able to like feel the difference between the two. Like, am I scared and anxious or am I, you know, I feel at peace with this decision not to make the painting because like X, Y, Z, and I feel at peace with that because your intuition might be telling you, listen, don't make the painting. It's not the time, blah, blah, blah. But it's going to be a feeling of, of inner peace and not, uh, not an anxious, like caffeined message, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm thinking of that person who might be wanting to let's say again start something and then there's like two voices in the mind one that's saying to start it and in this case in this example I'm speaking to someone who is intuitively like led to that but then there's the fear voice at the same time going don't start it and you're so right I'm like almost imagining the heartbeat like so erratic just going yeah. like don't do it what are you doing like everyone's gonna judge you etc right so accurate. So when people are coming to you, just noticing the time you were, I, again, like you were so fascinating. Um, I absolutely loved listening to you speak. Um, when people come to you for these readings, is there a general, or is it, are people all over the map or is there like a general thing people are coming to you asking about or just patterns? I'm so curious. I mean, it's all over now. I think when I first started, I was, I used to call them clarity readings because people were just like looking for clarity. And I would say that like many years later, that is definitely still what the reading offers. It's just, it's moved more into an experience rather than like delivering a bunch of answers. But I kind of hold the position, I think as a young practitioner, yeah, you're paying attention to like 
what people are coming to you for and you're trying to like offer that to them. But now as more of like really being in my gifts and kind of being more of a, an expert, I guess, for lack of a better word, I kind of pulled what, what I feel God wants me to do. So I feel that in the readings, what I'm meant to do is to give space to people to experience, to have one hour with their soul and like really experience their soul so that, and I guess that at the end of the day is what gives clarity to the person because they are just trying to find what's the right path for them. I'm sure they have like all these little questions about it, right? Like what should I do for work or should I stay with my husband or like, how do I date? Blah, blah. So it's very like day-to-day questions, obviously, but I think what makes them feel at peace is that the answer is coming from their soul. It's not necessarily like, I think if you're having a problem with your husband, you should work on it. Like I might have two clients that come with the same problem that they're having problems with their husband. And one of them, the guidance might be to leave and the other one might be to work it out. So I think that's what we seek. Like we're not, um, we don't want like this prescriptive, like one size fits all. We know that the wisdom exists within us. And I'm just like a translator for the wisdom that exists within you. Um, And then ultimately, you know, like hope to help. So that's why I seem like very wise, but um, the truth is like, I can just, I understand, I exist in like the soul space. So I talk to other souls and I can understand like what the soul is trying to get through to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it feels like a lot of clarity because you are hearing it from your highest, the highest version of yourself. And that's why it feels so right and authentic. Um, And that's really what I'm trying to do in the reading is to give them time. And sometimes like, it's not even the words that are being shared. It's the energy. Like they can feel for a minute, like they can just feel the, the truth of who they are, which is really nice. Um, and I, obviously I have a whole like method of how I do the reading. So I just, um, so I read the person's energy that gives me like a snapshot of them right now. And there's all sorts of cool things that show up on our, our energy. And then, um, the bigger part is I like to see them as a soul. And I do that through the Akashic records. So I like, and I do all this meditation before I talk to the client. So I have like a whole note, um, a whole page of notes on what, um, what came to through for me. So I'm like looking for, I always look for like the same things. People do submit their questions because I like, like I need questions because it helps me focus what I'm looking for. Cause I can go into your energy and get messages about your dog, but maybe you want messages about money, you know? So I want to make sure I'm doing that, you know? Um, So I look at, I ask people for three questions and then I use that to guide me while I'm going through my method, which is to find a person's path, to find their purpose, um, what's currently important. I look at like work, relationships, um, sometimes past lives show up if that's important and then looking at their energy. So I have like a little method that I go through, um, kind of just like, you know, when you go to your favorite restaurant and they like make the salad the same way every single time, I try to do that. And then I'm very surprised also by what shows up and how different it is. But I like to, I think that's very important for practitioners. I think to find, because one of the things that has made me successful is that I can um, almost guarantee good, a good reading. And it's because of the method that I do over and over again. I have a recipe that I repeat over and over again. So like my chance of error is very small and it's because of the mess. Like I'm not 
going to be like, okay, let's see what messages come to me today. Like I might be having a bad day, you know, so it might be hard for me to just get random downloads. And I think that that's like when you have a psychic you really like, it's like you just feel like she's on it every single time. But if she's having a bad day or she might even be having a bad year, right? Like she might be going through something, but if you can lean on your method, you, you know, you go into your reading and you connect and you become like that soul self, you use your method and you can leave you're reading and be a crazy person. If you're like going through something hard in your own family, you're not meant to like be perfect as a practitioner, but you're meant to like bring the light and connect in that moment. And those methods like really help us. So I think that that's, that's why I always encourage practitioners to find their methods or borrow methods that they really love. Wow. And, and, and in terms of yourself and how you're caring for yourself, do you find there's any kind of process you have to move through, let's say post clients, just in case anybody else is also doing some sort of work in similar to this or parallel to this or also readings? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, we have to, I think not even just this type of work, but I think about like, I don't know, my family, they're all doctors. Like they're just dealing with so much energy all day. Like I wish we, you know, or the kid, our kids, we send them to school right. and they're like mixed up in so much energy. So um, I think this is for anybody. Um, and it's just kind of being aware of when you have to cleanse your energy um, and that should, you should have some sort of practices for that. So for example, like at the end of the day, if I'm thinking about a lot of different clients or if I'm thinking about a lot of things, like I know, that I did not clean my energy well enough. There's other people's energy on me. It's not their fault. It's that I'm going, you know, I'm going into surgery and being with people. And then I have to like clean myself afterwards. And if I, some, some people are more sticky than others. I get, more, you know, I'm human and I get attached to some scenarios more than others. And the, the trick is like, if you know that like the next day or like at night, you're still thinking about them, you haven't like cleansed the energy well enough. Um, and and there's nothing wrong with like thinking about, you know, you love these clients. Of course, there's nothing wrong with like thinking about them at night or something. Sometimes like the best ideas come through for you. But I think we need to, like, if we're going to be able to do this work long-term, we need to protect ourselves and our energy. And, and when you go down, when you, um, when your energy lessens is actually a great time for the darkness to come get you. So you have to be like constantly taking care of that so that there are no holes for you to like seep into a dark place. Um, so this is important. And if you want to like give your client extra time, just make time on your schedule to think of, you know, today at, from 10 to 10, 15, I'm going to think about Sarah and I'm going to see if I like download any, you know, ideas for her or whatever. Um, but to, you have to have some boundaries around it. So um, I start the session by emptying myself, which is um, thank you so much, like God for like giving me this ability, like, please help me to get out of my own way. Um, may I be a clear channel for so-and-so like, thank you for this, please. Um, I call in like any protection that I work with. And I just really almost feel like I'm a, like, uh, like an electric cord that's being connected into the electricity. That's mm -hmm. the process I go to in the beginning, very much opening my heart, being curious and light because that's the best way because um, people think that intuition is like right or wrong. Um, but I'm really just going like, let's see what we can find, right? Like that curiosity is what is what helps me get those messages. I do the session. And then after the session, I make sure to break the energy 
Um, so I just do like a simple, like rubbing the hands and giving their energy to them and taking mine back. But then also at the end of the day, I'll do just a little bit of a cleansing and a meditation before I leave my office. Uh, my office is in my home. So like my father was a, is a physician and he used to take his white coat and all his scrubs off in a room that was like at the entrance of our house. And he would change before he would get into the house. So I kind of think about that energetically, like, um, I'm not going to change my clothes necessarily, but, uh, cause I'm not like dealing with germs, but, um, I do think about, okay, I've left everything here and I now go into my family, into my home. Um, and then just regular healings throughout the week. Like I do a lot of body work. I exercise a lot. I go into nature a lot. Like that time is for my clients, like to be the best practitioner that I can be, I have to be working on those things so that I can be emptied. Um, so I'm constantly looking to empty myself. Okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. So the answer is an absolute yes. And those are the ways that you do it. That's, that's good to hear. Cause sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you hear different things. So I was curious to hear, yeah. you know, how you move through that. Um, I guess last, last but not least, could you just share a little bit about your book, Soul Led Living? I mean, it sounds completely fascinating. I even had points to ask you about the book, but another time. So just yeah. a little bit overview. Well, the book is a little bit of everything that I teach. It's it's yeah. really about like the the it's my my theory is that we can live soul led, like that we can live according to what our soul really wants to live. And this is what I have learned by doing. I think I'm at like over 800 readings at this point. So eight, almost wow. 800, you know, over 800 hours of readings. People's souls, all different souls, is just so fun. I've learned that like, you know, that we really want to live true to our soul. That's the true guidance we're looking for. That's why the way, you know, where I live might be, might be like the, where I, you know, like feel super good for you, for me, but maybe it would feel super bad for you. Right. And that's right. because not because where I live is bad. It's just that our souls need different things. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's like the theory of the book. And I'm really trying to teach people how to feel the difference between living what I call a default path, like a path that like, okay, this is like what people told me to do and this is what I should be doing versus your soul's true path. And the the book is really about trying to find those two things. There's definitely a lot of talk about intuition because like I said, intuition is the voice of the soul. So it is something that we want to work on and practice. Um, and I teach it through a lot of my own personal stories. So it's, it's, um, the story of, of an awakening as well. Like, so what does like spiritual awakening look like? Cause spiritual awakening is when you start to remember that you are a soul and then how do we live like more true to our soul? And that's really what the, the book is about. And it's on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And as I'm sure people can tell, you're such a good storyteller again, but also educator, which I think is very kind of like last thing I'll say, but I think that's actually very I don't want to say rare, but kind of, it feels like to me, often I feel when people are explaining things and it's not explanation by a story, which I think is very naturally interesting. You are very talented at explaining things like the education of it, but in such like a, you really hook people in. So it's so clear that you're absolutely doing exactly what you're meant to, because honestly, I usually find explanations just kind of dry, but with you, I was like, <laughs> edge of my seat, like, oh my gosh, tell me more. <laughs> Maybe because like, I'm I'm such a nerd. Like I am truly like a metaphysical geek. Like I find this to be so fascinating. Um, 
So maybe that's, that's what makes it interesting, but thank you for the compliment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I guess last thing, could you just share like your website, social media, anything that feels good for you? So I, um, I have a podcast called soul led living. If anybody, I do Tuesdays and Tuesdays, I do just like regular soul led stuff. And then Thursdays I do business soul led stuff, which is um, fun because business is a big part of my life and I yeah. enjoy it. And, um, so you can just find that on anywhere you listen to podcasts and I'm on, I am very active on Instagram and I do free readings on Mondays on um, Instagram, if you guys are interested. And it's just Nikki Novo, N-I-K-K-I-N-O-V-O. And my book is on Amazon and you can just pop in and say hi and leave me a message. I'm happy to connect. Yeah. And I will say as well that I don't know if you're, there's recent ones, but you also have great videos on YouTube. So (laughs) people should check that out, especially like the, like you have a one that always came up for me, like about purpose. I found it fascinating. Again, it's just, you're so well-spoken and it's just completely intriguing the subject in yourself. So just thank you so much. I'm grateful for all the clients that have trusted me because, um, that's where I've like collected the data. You know, it's like you sometimes, um, you know, we can have these ideas of what, uh, maybe what a soul is or whatever, but I've, because I've read so many people, I've run so many like tests in a sense. So it's kind of like being a scientist. So I'm really grateful for everybody who has trusted me throughout the years so that I can give back the information. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Nikki, thank you so much just for your time again. It was so nice to have you on. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on the North Star podcast. I am so grateful for your time and your presence. If you want to chime in on the conversation, you can send me a DM at Mac Castro on Instagram. I mean it when I say that I'm really always happy to hear from you, be it with regards to your insights gleaned from this episode or with regard to your own unfolding journey at large. I do believe that we each have our own North Star and it's our duty to do the inner work to get to know ourselves so that we can live in harmony with our souls, carry out our calling, and serve others with the gifts we have each been uniquely blessed with in this lifetime. Thank you again for joining us and I'll see you next time.